another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me, as always, from uh, Seattle is my uh, other co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome to this mid-World Series uh, episode. I, I am present. I am here, and uh, I'm ready to roll. Let's uh, let's get this going. And um, you know, by the time that uh, this comes out, we're gonna be we're gonna know who won tonight. So uh, you know, <laughs> I, might, might, yeah, I might I might be wanting to make a wager. Might not be over yet, but at least tonight's game will be over. We we should say right. We'll know. We're recording this kind of late. We're recording on a Sunday night, which is late for us. But what a game four! I mean, that's just gonna. It's gonna be a game that's gonna be talked about. Like we'll probably have an episode in three years about that game because it'll be part of World Series. You know, I I mean, that was that's like Buckner. You know, going between his legs. Yep. It's kind of like uh, Gibson hitting a home run off of Eckersley. It's that. I mean, it was that improbable and just incredible. It was, it was incredible. It really was. And you know what? Uh, this they couldn't have come at a better time. I think baseball really needs a big World Series, and they are getting one. Yeah, and it would have. It's so much better than if the like say the the Dodgers would have just won four to one game wise. Sure. So yeah, no, it's very so, exciting. What are you I'm saying? Glad. You're saying it's good for baseball. So yeah. am I. Rock and roll. Let's go. Yay, baseball. Go baseball. <laughs> go baseball. All right. All right. Before uh, before we get started, uh, I wanted to give a tip of the two-strike noise cap to one of our, our listeners, George. He's a big Red Sox fan. Uh, we're not going to hold that against him, though. I think he's going <laughs> to like this episode tonight, though, because uh, he's he's contacted us a couple of times and he says that he really likes the tales from the dugout episodes and this is kind of our halloween episode there's not really going to be anything spooky about it but just you know tales from the dugout is kind of a takeoff of tales from the crypt so we're going to go with that and say that that is what makes this a halloween episode plus he said he listed ricky henderson as his third favorite baseball player of all time okay let's get uh, let's get into before we get into tales from the crypt we're going to do kind of an abbreviated batting practice. Like maybe we'll just take infield because tales from the tales from the I said tales from the crypt uh, because tales from the dugout is actually just a longer uh, BP segment. So let's just do a quick intro here. Just take some infield. I found a Bob Gibson quote that I don't think we've talked about and is pretty, pretty cool because yeah. we like Bob Gibson. Miss Miss Bob Gibson already. Uh, Already. He, he hit a rookie from the New York Mets, John Milner, in a spring training game. Very first time he'd ever seen the guy, and he nailed him the first time he saw it. They asked him, hey, why did you hit Milner? And he said, well, I heard he could hit. Preemptively. <laughs> Bob Gibson. There you go. This is a player uh, I have never heard of, and I don't know if, if, if maybe you've heard of him, but I wanted to talk about him uh, briefly. Cal McLish. You ever heard of him? I've heard of Delish, but no, I haven't heard uh, that particular name. Cal McLish, his full name, and I'm not kidding here, his full name is Calvin Coolidge Julius Caesar Tushkahama McLish. I have a friend with that same name. <laughs> is it? Uh, is you? Maybe you know this guy. I mean, he pitched. He pitched for 15 years from 1944 through 1964. This guy's kind of interesting. He is a switch hitting pitcher. 
he could throw with both hands as well, but he never did it in the big leagues. He did it though in the Venezuelan league once. Okay. And he, he, he was in the middle of an inning and a left-handed batter came up. And so he, he didn't have that special glove, but he put his glove on, on the other hand and he threw one pitch with his left hand and the opposition's manager came running out of the dugout and argued with the umpire for 15 minutes that he could not do that. And so eventually <laughs> McLish said, you know, this is more trouble than it's worth. And he switched back to just throwing right-handed. I thought that the name was what caught my attention obviously mcdoolish yeah calvin his nickname was bus or buster i don't know why <laughs> huh, right on but uh, he's had a buster 15 yeah he had a 15 year career 92 and 92 four point era kind of yeah you know, i mean he average pitcher 90 92 and 92 but he did pitch for 15 years so calvin coolidge julius caesar tuskahama mcglish Nice. Nice. I had a little Bob Gibson note, too, right. uh, actually. D- have we talked about the fact that, that Bob Gibson played for the Harlem Globetrotters for a season? I think we did at some point. I know we've brought it up at some point. In fact, I think you well, brought it up a, when you did a Bob Gibson uh, story. Well, I found an awesome quote um, from Meadowlark Lemon, actually, that, you know, who we, when you think of the Globetrotters, you think one of the people you think of is Meadowlark Lemon. Yeah. And uh, he, he was quoted, he was asked about, hey, how good was Bob Gibson? And he said, this is his answer, I thought Bob was a better basketball player than a baseball player. I think Bob could have played with any NBA team. He was that good. Unquote. Wow. <laughs> I just thought that was impressive, man. It's like, w- really? <laughs> That's amazing. What an athlete. Yeah. An athlete with a gun of an arm, and who, as we have pointed out before, who could hit, too. He could do it all. Including yeah, running the what is the the weave? Is that what they call it when they when they play the the, the whistle song and then they just pass and like run in circles or uh, figure eights oh, and pass oh, the ball? Oh yeah, the uh, isn't that the magic circle? I don't know what that's called. <laughs> I don't know. That might be Disney, to be honest with this you. This is way right. too much basketball for me. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, this it's starting to get me out of my uh, baseball. Uh, my rhythm and 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 I can't do that. Yeah, my eyes. He's throwing me off. I'm stuttering and everything. My eyes, Oof. my eyes starting to twitch. Like when we talk about football. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Back so to baseball. No, uh, no debuts this week. We're I think we're beyond the debuts portion of the of the year. It's gonna have to wait till we get back to April. But, uh, yes. A couple of cool things happened on October 27th, which is the day this episode is premiering. I saw a couple of things that I. They kind of fit in with our show here. In on this day in two thousand, the the Yankees beat the Mets in the World Series, the Subway Series. I remember that. And so you know the tradition of when a New York team wins a title, their parade is held in what is called the Canyon of Champions in 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 New York City. You know, with all the skyscrapers, the confetti. Sure. You know, it's it's really something. I mean, astronauts yeah. have had, you know, got to do it. The the you know the Yankees have done it plenty of times. Well, since this involved two New York teams, the Mets were actually invited to take part in the parade. The losing <laughs> team was actually. <laughs> hey, come on out, guys! Yeah, dude. Hey, you want to come out and have a parade? Uh, join in the parade for the team that beat you. 
Uh, Be a good sport, guys. Come on. Not surprisingly, they declined. I'm stunned. Yeah, I am shocked as well. Uh, Also, on this day in 2004, the Red Sox completed the sweep of the Cardinals to win the first World Series since 1918. Yes. And this, of course, led us to the Jimmy Fallon opus, Fever Pitch, which chronicles unintentionally this historic postseason run because originally they they rewrote the the end of the movie because originally this was supposed to be about you know kind of the heart the heartbreak of being a red sox fan but they kept winning and so they had to rewrite the movie on the fly and they actually i i'm fairly certain they filmed a scene or two in the stands during the game and 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 i think they went on the field after, you know, during the celebration and filmed a scene as well. Interesting. I didn't know that. I, I'm fairly sure. I, I only saw it once. There's another movie called Fever Pitch, which is about soccer in England, which is much better. How could a soccer movie be better than a baseball movie, dude? Yeah, well, it's that, that one's based on a, move, on, a, on a book by Nick Hornby, who's one of my favorite authors, and he's awesome, even though he's an Arsenal fan. I am, I'm skeptical. <laughs> all right let's uh let's get into our trivia segment now i asked you a question last week which i was pretty certain nobody was going to answer we got several responses of which three of the four gentlemen were given to us but nobody got one of the nobody got all four let me put it that way okay. the question was there are there only been four players that have stolen a base in four different decades. Give me those four gentlemen. I gave you one. It was pretty obvious. It was Ricky Henderson. Sure. Three other guys. Do you have you have any idea? One, one. I think if you think Ricky Henderson should probably be a be a pretty easy one to get. Yeah. And I think I'm thinking Tim Raines. There you go. Very good. Okay. That's the only one I've got, man. I couldn't come up with anyone else. I was thinking about Lou Brock, but I don't think he did four separate decades. Yep. Didn't play in four. Um, yeah. So I was like, no, nah, that didn't happen. So bad. The only one I could come up with was Tim Raines. And I only knew he played it all those years because I was, you know, I was following the game playing fantasy baseball that whole time. And he was an awesome fantasy baseball player that went, kind of went under the radar. Obviously, I know the answer here, but I was just trying to think of players that played in four different decades to try and, you know, figure out if any of those. So the first person that came to mind was Julio Franco. Like, did he? Sure. But he he technically he only played in three different decades. He debuted in 82 and then retired. Well, finished playing in the major leagues in 2007. Still kicking around somewhere in South America right now, as we always like Probably, to say. Probably, yeah. But yeah, so it's it's not not Julio Franco. It is uh, somebody we've talked about. You disparaged him on a recent uh, episode to my much to my chagrin. Hold 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 hold. Disparage. I know who you're talking about now. <laughs> and disparage is a little bit of a strong word. I simply said that I felt his defense was overrated. Are you talking about Omar Vizquel? I am very much so. Omar yeah. Vizquel. Yeah. I would have not guessed he would have been on this list. I never would have come up with that in a million years. Yeah, so Omar played for 24 seasons. And by the way, Omar is the one that nobody rode in with. No, Nobody came up with Omar Vizquel. He oh, really? He debuted in 1989 
and his final season was 2012. I was I was shocked. He stole 404 bases throughout his career. That's wow. a lot. And, yes, and it is. There, between 1995 and 2000, he, let's see, 29, 35, 43, 37, 42, 22 stolen bases. And then at age 38 and 39, he stole 24 bases both seasons. So, wow. very, very impressive. And, a, you know, a decent rate. Uh, there were some years where he got caught quite a bit, but 404 career stolen bases. So, we've got Ricky Henderson, we've got Tim Raines, we've got Omar Vizquel, and the final player, we had uh, two people write in with this guy, which I would have never come up with, and that is Ted Williams. Really? Yeah. The Splendid <laughs> Splendor. Teddy Ballgame. Ted Williams. Ted Williams. He no kidding. Debuted in 1939. Final season was in 1960. He stole two bases in his first, in, in his rookie year in 39, and he stole one base in his final year at the age 41 in 1960. That's amazing. It, what's kind of strange is he only stole 24 bases his entire career. And he was caught 17 times. So he wasn't a particularly effective base stealer. But uh, So every three or four years, he'd try to steal a base. Yeah, so like in 19, 1948, he was four for four. Wow. In 1950, he was three for three. But then there were other years where he was thrown out more times than he was successful. But yeah. uh, Ted Williams is number four. I would not have put him in that category at all. Yeah. So like I said, we had, we had two listeners write in with that answer, which was impressive, but Omar Vizquel stumped everybody, which is good. I'm trying yeah. to throw some in there, by the way, I do want to give a shout out here to, I, I, we've talked about this podcast before we've been trying to, uh, figure out a good way to, to have them come on, uh, on the podcast. They were on our, they were involved in our, Bump Bailey Wax Packs Hero Tournament of Awesome, the uh, Baseball Beyond Batting Average podcast. This their last episode was a Ricky versus Rock episode where they compared nice. Ricky Henderson and uh, Tim Raines' career numbers, and really good. I mean, obviously, I really enjoyed it. They talked about Ricky a lot. Yeah. So maybe that's, go that's go great. check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. I've it, we've put out the, the link on Twitter about it as well. So but make sure to go check that out if you if you want to hear some more Ricky stats and, and rock stats. All right, so I've got a new trivia question for you for next week. So we mentioned that right now we are recording this uh, right as game five gets started. So through four games of this year's World Series, the Dodgers have had seven different players hit home runs in the World Series this year. Seven different players. Which team holds the record for the most players to homer in a World Series? That's a good question, and I would be completely taking a stab in the dark. Not going to be the 85 Cardinals. No, I think that's uh, a good They had one. a couple of clutch home runs. Jesus, that's amazing. Uh, I guess I have no idea, dude. <laughs> well, next week, I shall let you know. How about Murderer's Row, the 27 Yankees? I don't know that they hit more than, well, I do know, uh, whether or not they had more than <laughs> seven players hit. 
<laughs> I just gave away that that is definitely not the answer. But uh, I'll let everybody else think about the rest of that. And uh, we'll, we'll revisit that on next week's show and let you know which team has seven or more players hit home runs in a World Series. All right. So as mentioned before, Mark, this is our special Halloween episode of Tales from the Dugout. There's nothing spooky going on here that I'm aware of, but uh, we've got a couple of shorter stories that we're going to share uh, this week. I'm going to go first. I want to ask you, Mark, have you ever heard of Jell-O-Gate? I don't think so. And you're probably asking, well, this is a baseball history podcast. Why are we talking about J-E-L-L-O? I just assumed it's from your other, your cooking podcast. Yes, my well, no, it's 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 just a Jello podcast. It is just solely oh, wow. about Jello. Let's go back into the time machine to 1982, and Renee Latchman is leading another stellar Seattle Mariners campaign as skipper. It always comes, it always comes. These strange stories <laughs> always end up with the Seattle Mariners. Well, on that team. was noted prankster Larry Anderson. We've talked about Larry a couple of times. I love Larry. He is literally one of the funniest guys in the history of the game. Oh, absolutely. Larry Anderson just always goofing off, always pulling pranks. And when they got him and Charlie Kerfeld together, it was like, oh, my gosh, it's it's Abbott and Costello. (laughs) Uh, Also on this team was uh, now noted grumpy Braves announcer Joe Simpson, who also uh, was a Mariners announcer at some point. And finally, one of the final players to appear in the baseball encyclopedia, Richie Zisk. Oh, nice. The Mariners are in Chicago, right? And Latchman is out having some drinks at night at a local watering hole. And while this is happening, Anderson, Simpson, and Zisk finagle a key to Latchman's suite. He's the manager, so he gets a suite. So they enter the room armed with 16 boxes of cherry jello. Apparently this suite, because he's the manager, has two separate commodes, two toilets. They dump eight packs into each of the two toilets, and then they fill them with buckets of ice. Then they move <laughs> all of the furniture in the room, plus the mattress, into the bathroom. <laughs> they oh, unplug man. everything in the room that is plugged into an outlet. They remove all of the light bulbs, and then they stream toilet paper throughout the room. And finally, they remove the mouthpiece from all of the phones in the room. So Latch returns to his room, having had a couple, and it's kind of late. And so he kind of stumbles into his room, can't, you know, hits the switch and nothing happens. So he walks into the dark room, runs into toilet paper, kind of like, you know, when you walk through a spider web, you don't see it. And then it's just, it's on you. So he's flailing like a maniac. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, what the heck is this? So he's. Walking and he's he like goes over to where he thinks a table is. Nothing's there because they've removed it all. He tries to go into the bathroom, but can't do it because, you know, the furniture is all in there. So the door barely opens. <laughs> Finally, he finds the phone and he calls Zisk's. I can't. That's a hard one to say. He calls Zisk's room, having a hunch that he had something to do with this. So Zisk picks up the phone, but he can't hear anything because they've removed the mouthpiece. So he hangs up. So Latch calls back a couple of times and finally Zisk says, I don't know who this is, but I can't hear anything. So stop calling me, you know, kind of like giving him a clue. 
Yeah. So the next day, there's a team meeting, believe it or not, in the visitors' clubhouse of Comiskey Park. Renee Latchman gets everybody together, and he's steaming mad. He says the hotel's upset. They want money because there's quote-unquote damages. He says they're talking about bringing the FBI in to get the room fingerprinted. There's talk of lie detector <laughs> tests, like some serious oh stuff. My. Yeah. Nobody believes this. They all know he's not. He just wants to find out who's doing this. He's trying to scare them. So nobody's owning up to it. They're, everybody's just laughing. So Latch seems to think that the culprit might actually be Tom Pachorek, who just, there's there's one small detail. Tom Pachorek, who was on the Mariners the year previous, is no longer there. He is now on the Chicago White Sox. Okay, but they're in oh, Chicago. Okay. So he thinks, okay, maybe he's getting, you know, he's getting back at me somehow. Uh, but, you know, Pachorek says, ah, I didn't do this. It's, it's, it's a good idea, but I did not do this. The story gets into the press. This eventually leads to Tom Pachorek's mom getting involved and calling Renee Latchman and sticking up for her son, saying he did not do this. <laughs> Leave his name out of this. Oh, thanks, Mom. Thanks, Tom. So this prank lasts the entire season. And every time they go on a road trip, when Latch checks into a hotel and gets to his room, there is some sort of jello involved gift awaiting him, whether it be actual, you know, a jello mold, some jello related, you know, something. But I, I mean, this goes on through the whole season. They even enlist Hall of Fame announcer Dave Niehaus to help them. They get Niehaus to tell Latchman that he has on tape somebody admitting that they are the jello bandit they're the one that started this all so latch instantly demands to hear the tape Nihau says hey listen i gotta go do a pregame show i'll bring you the tape after the game so he he heads off latch it's it's batting practice right now and and latchman heads out to the outfield where larry anderson's kind of hanging out you know his pitchers do during batting practice kind of you know, feigning to field uh, fly balls and stuff. And he tells Anderson, he says, hey, I know who did it. And and Larry laughs and says, you don't know who did it. You, you're never going to find out who did it. And Latch goes, I'll bet you $100 <laughs> I know. And so Larry's oh like, my. okay, let's do this. So after the game in the clubhouse, the debate continues and Latchman sees Niehaus walk into the clubhouse. So Latchman yells for him to come over to Anderson. He says, play the tape. Let's hear the tape. So Niehaus, again, in on this, sheepishly tells Latchman that he accidentally erased the tape. <laughs> the Mariners at this point are heading to New York on a road trip, right? So they get on a plane, they fly there. Uh, the next day, Anderson has custom newspapers printed up and pasted all over the visitors clubhouse with the headline reading jello gate tapes lost last latchman baffled like they're really <laughs> playing this up <laughs> and oh, at God. this point latchman you know he, he, latchman is definitely very well liked he's playing mad but he's enjoying this whole thing but this story has become a big thing in seattle the media is covering it. There, there's people talking about it. It's so big that even non-players have started to get involved. And one of the guys is the guy that delivers equipment from road trips back to the kingdom. So he's like a truck driver that, you know, when the, when the plane lands that the Mariners are on, 
all their equipment that they travel with, they take it out, they load it up on a truck, they take it back to the kingdom, and then that's usually where, you know, the, the clubhouse guys take it and put everything back and all that stuff. So this guy is okay. part of that crew. So what he did is while the team was on the road, he removed all of the beer from the refrigerator in the manager's office, pricked a small hole in the bottom of all the cans and drained them of beer, then filled them up with jello mix and water. <laughs> he let them freeze upside down, or not freeze, but gel. And then he returned them to the refrigerator at the King Dome. In, you know, put him back in there, and then he went on his merry way. The team returns, and Latch calls the coaches into his office for a meeting. They're going to go over the first homestand. He hands everybody a beer so they can have a beer while they'll talk about this. They all open the cans, and inside, what do they find? They find Jello instead of Rainier beer. <laughs> so That's I mean, awesome. Everybody's in on this. This goes on, like I said, the whole season. Finally, at the end of the year party, the three pranksters show up wearing handmade jello boxes over their heads and reveal themselves to be the originators of the joke and everybody has a good laugh and uh, Renee Latchman finally can rest easy the jello <laughs> bandits have been unmasked uh, that's that's just classic. That Only is in baseball. That is a great baseball break right there. That's right <laughs> up there with Jeff Rancour being pranked by his one minor league teammate who pretended to be deaf all year, and everybody was oh, in God. on it. Yeah, and that's a that's. I mean, talk about long standing practical jokes. That's impressive. Yeah, that that nobody let it slip the entire season. And, that, you know, right. they kept bringing people in. I mean, you bring Niehaus in, clubhouse guys are in on it, but nobody nobody let let it slip. And Anderson, of course, went to the Astros and joined forces with Charlie Kerfield, who, by the way, uh, just in keeping with the Jello subject, Charlie Kerfield once signed a contract in 86 with the Astros for $110,037.37 and 37 boxes of orange jello. <laughs> I'm guessing Charlie Kerfield also wore number 37. Uh, he's a bit obsessed with it as I am with 34, except he could actually play ball. <laughs> All right, so there's there's my first story. Let's. Uh, what do you got for this special Halloween episode of Tales from the Dugout? Well, I really had to uh, stretch it to uh, try and get it Halloween-ish. Um, so I figured, you know, Halloween, lots of scary stories, but they're basically all myths. So I'm going to debunk some baseball myths here. Okay. That's as close as I could get. It's a stretch, I admit it. But well, we're handing you know, out baseball. We're handing out a lot of stretching. Little Jello shots for Halloween. Uh, so that's yes, how I'm. You know that's those how are. I tied mine in. <laughs> Virgin Jello shots, um, just to be safe. <laughs> um, th there's a long-standing story about how Lou Gehrig took over for Wally Pip, mm -hmm. and the story goes. The story goes. Wally Pip had a headache. He's been, he's been playing. This is his like eleventh season with the Yankees, so he's a long time first base. And the story goes, he went to the manager and he said, "Hey, man, I got a headache, and I can't really play." So he put in uh, a reserve first baseman named Lou Gehrig, and Lou Gehrig went on to, of course, become Lou Gehrig of the streak and of the wow, what a legend, the ball player. Um, but that's not exactly what happened. 
you see, um, it was not a headache. It was a fractured skull. So (laughs) (laughs) that's still inexcusable. That's just, that's weak sauce to sit out for that reason. Pip was hit in the head after getting beaned uh, during batting practice that, that day. It fractured his skull, and he was in the hospital. He was nearly killed. He missed about a month of the 1925 season. It was not uh, not a good situation, but uh, Gehrig did step in. And, of course, this was – Gehrig had already been playing first base because uh, Pip, along with five other Yankee starters – uh, they were trying to shake up the lineup, so they benched five starters and threw in five younger guys. Gehrig had already started the streak. He was a month in. Wally Pip did not miss a game because of a headache. He missed a game because of a fractured skull. So, And then he spent a lot of time in the hospital. So the myth of Wally Pip's headache, not exactly true. Uh, so I thought I'd share that. There is also another one I wanted to talk about. The story goes, Pete Rose, the collision with Ray Fossey, mm. ended Fossey's career, right? Fossey was great up until Charlie Hustle ran over him out at home plate during the All-Star game. Always a big point of contention between Rose and his critics. You know, hey, it's an exhibition game. Why would you do that? Um, so that was, uh, that, that's been going around the 1970 All-Star game for a long, long time. But, but what actually ended Ray Fossey's career is that, he tried to break up a clubhouse fight between Reggie Jackson and Billy North. As he got in the middle of the altercation, he suffered a broken neck and he missed that whole season. He never recovered and he was out of baseball by 1977. So he, he still played after the Pete Rose run over, but what really killed his career was, you know, the broken neck. So There's a lot, a lot of very serious injuries that get downplayed through myth. It, exactly. That's that's what I'm talking about. Now, there was a third myth I was going to debunk, but it's turned into a full story. So uh, as I started to research it, it became way more interesting than uh, that I can use during a Tales from the Dugout um, story. So I'll just throw in a couple things. One, Carlton Fisk's 12th inning home run did not save the Red Sox season. The big hit came earlier with, of course, Bernie Carbo and the two-out pinch hit home run that tied the game and forced extra innings, which then allowed Fisk to hit the big home run. But the really big hit, the one that kept them alive, was the pinch hit by Bernie Carbo. You know, there's another one to think about. But it didn't have as cool of a shot of him waving it fair from the no. Green Monster. And, and that is, and you see why that has become, I mean, it's still, it's, a, it's an amazing home run and, and uh, it's super clutch. And of course, that that shot of uh, Fisk hopping down the line, willing it to stay fair is, is legendary. So, you know, nobody, but nobody talks about Bernie Carbo. Yeah. I think that, I think that camera shot of Carlton Fisk waving it fair from the green monster. I thought I had read that that was a mistake. The story goes, and again, this could be myth. The story goes, he was out, he was shooting from the green monster and a rat apparently came in and freaked him out and he didn't, to the right camera angle, and he kept it on Fisk, which nobody kept it on the batter back then. And, but that's the story is a rat distracted him. And he freaked, it freaked him out. All right. Well, I got one more tale here, and it's something that we've we've talked about indirectly before. 
and this is actually, you've got to go all the way back to episode six, which this is episode 89, if you can believe it. We're on episode (laughs) 89. We've got to go all the way back to episode six when you specifically talked about the 1960 World Series. That is the series when the heavily favored Yankees were taking on the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. This, of course, is the series where Bill Mazeroski hits the just legendary walk-off home run to win the World Series. And uh, Mickey Mantle cries. Uh, Bing Crosby is left the country <laughs> because he was uh, had, I think he, he was... Was he too nervous or did he actually have an acting job somewhere else? But I think, I think Bing was just on vacation and he didn't want to, he was pretty nervous about the game. Yeah. So that, but he is the only reason we actually have a, a copy of the broadcast of this game. And, and yes. of course you mentioned that it's not, it's not even really a copy. It's somebody aimed a camera at the television while it was live. And that is literally right. the only pitch to pitch coverage there is this game that remains so let's go back to that i wanted to talk about oh remember also when we talked to vance law he told us about bing crosby calling his mother who was a huge fan to try to get vance to sign with the pirates which i thought was just a a great story uh Uh, vance had a lot of them yeah vance had good 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 stories uh let's go back to that game though and and talk about the ball so Mass hits this amazing series winning walk-off home run. But what happened to the ball? You know, now these these balls, people get them and they, you know, they end up putting them up for auction and, you know, essentially being able to retire after they've sold these. Right. But that's not that's not what we're here to do. That's that's boring. We we want to talk about what what happened to the actual ball way back in the day. So this game was on a Thursday afternoon. October 13th. This is when World Series and playoff games were in the middle of the day. Uh, (laughs) During the middle of the week, even. Thursday afternoon. 14-year-old Andy Jerp. I I think that's how you say this name. J-E-R-P-E. Jerp or Jerpy? I'm going to go with Jerp. Let me know if it's wrong. So Andy, I'm just going to call him Andy for now on. Andy's walking home from school. And he did this by way of Forbes Field, where the game was taking place. And he just happened to be walking beyond the left field fence when Maz destroyed the Yankees' hopes and dreams. The ball cleared the stadium, landed in some cherry trees on the opposite side of the road from Forbes. So Andy hustles over there and picks up this ball. He hears a lot of cheering, and he said he even heard the crack of the bat, and then all the cheering, and then this ball lands over there in the cherries. He goes and picks it up. I'm a little surprised that there weren't, you know, a bunch of people out there, kind of like Wrigley, but I don't know, maybe not. Sure. It's unclear if anybody saw him grab the ball or if he went and picked it up and then walked it over to the ballpark. But eventually he ends up in the Pirates dressing room in front of Bill Mazeroski. And the story goes that Andy presents the ball to Maz for him to keep, but Bill replies, it's okay, kid. The memory is enough for me. You can keep the ball. And then he signs it and and gives it back to, to Andy. Wow. So keep it he did. He heads home. His dad's a big Pirates fan. He was absolutely ecstatic about <laughs> this ball being in his possession. Uh, they make a case for it. 
and they display it on I now I saw two different things. One was on the mantle in the fireplace in the living room. Another was that Andy kept it in his room in in this case. But whatever. You've seen the Sandlot, right? The movie? Of course, yes. I live and breathe the Sandlot. I, it's it's legendary. All right. So <laughs> you know there is something about a coveted baseball that's been signed by an immortal that just lures kids to it. It beckons them. Yeah. It pleads with yes. them to be played with, no matter how important or how valuable it may be. This oh, no. was the case with the Babe Ruth ball in the Sandlot. And this likewise is the case with this Bill Mazeroski ball. The local kids were short a ball. They wanted to play really bad. And Andy, being the genius that he was, remember, he's got a ball in his room or on the mantel place, whichever you choose to believe. And so that ball that was last hit by Bill Mazeroski to win the World Series is now being used in a neighborhood pickup game in Point Breeze, Pennsylvania. Ouch. I can't find out how long the ball was actually in play. But the story goes it was fouled off into a vacant lot that was overgrown with weeds. Andy and his friends searched for hours after that, but never found the baseball. No word if there was a a fence with a large dog named Goliath near it that might have eaten the ball or at least slopped all over it. But one theory is that one of Andy's friends actually found the ball and knowing that it was a valuable ball, just put it in his pocket and kept it for himself. Maybe. Not a great move, but regardless, though, the ball that made Mickey Mantle cry was lost to history forever on that fateful day. Wow. A sad story about a very (laughs) sad, but a couple things. One, it's also somewhat poetic that, you know, hey, here's this amazing ball. But, it's, man, it's baseball. Let's play a game with it. You know? I got to imagine about that. if baseballs were sentient beings, right? They <laughs> want to be played with. They're made to be played yeah. with. So yeah, exactly. Maybe that ball was happy. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I would be if I were a baseball. Your, your whole goal is to get hit, you know? But one thing I do want to do real quick is preempt some uh, – Kangaroo Courts, the dog's name in the Sandlot was actually Hercules. Hercules, that's right. How? how yeah. How did? Where did I get Goliath from? Yeah, Goliath's a big scary guy. Is that? <laughs> is that the? What's the name of the dog in Cujo? Is that maybe? <laughs> I believe it's Cujo. <laughs> oh well, I don't know. That doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> Hercules, uh, Hercules. Sorry, man. All right. Thank I you. Just, I just didn't want anybody no, writing absolutely. I am going to, I'm going to actually, I am going to remove $4 and 20 cents off of your outstanding bill. <laughs> just. Well, that's my special money. Just for fun. <laughs> All right. That, uh, I think that'll do it. That was, uh, that was fun. Some good, uh, good tales from the dugout. Very scary I stuff. Love shows. See, and that one was scary because that was a great ball that should be yeah. probably in the Hall of Fame, but is was lost to history. Absolutely. That, that, that's a sad tale, but in some ways a bit poetic, as I said. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's now 
head into the final segment of our show. It is time for the always scary segment that we call Wax Pack Hero. Gotta pull the wax back, hero. So if if you remember back to the last episode, I Mark, you might have forgotten already. You might have wiped it from your memory immediately. I just cleaned the floor with you. Uh, you scored ugly. Yeah, you scored twenty two cents while I scored two dollars and sixty two cents. So I mean it was just it was gone. But that tied it up. We're 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 tied up at three apiece now in, in this new season. So this week, and, and I thought what would make this one really scary, is we're gonna open up 88 Donruss, which are some of the Ooh. ugliest cards to look at. They're kind of scary. Ugly but iconic. Yeah, well they're iconic because they're iconic much in the way that sloth is iconic in the Goonies. Uh, okay. Which is another, yeah, that. see, we're tying this all into Halloween. And by the way, I mentioned that because I, I just watched the Goonies for the very first time ever. The other no night. kidding. Yeah. The very first time wow. ever. So I'm tying it all in. So Mark, I'm going to give you the option. You can pick a pack or I can pick the pack. Which, which would you like? Um, you know what? I'm going to pick okay. the pack on the left. Pack on the left. All right. Now myself, <laughs> as we've determined here. Uh, recently, I have given myself the option of maybe stealing your pack, which I did last week right. and came up big. I'm not going to do that yes. this week. This pack on the left is all yours. Wait a minute, man. No, nope. I picked the pack on the left because I wanted the pack on the right. Well, that's too <laughs> bad. The pack on the right is mine. Um, OK, I'm going to let you, however, decide. Do you want to go first or do you want to be the, the, the home team? Let's uh, I want to go first. Okay. And just just because I want to see you sweat okay. as you approach approach that number, but can't quite make it. All right. So this is the pack you did not want, but I'm playing all above the board here. So let's uh, let's open this. It opens very easily. Not going to lie. <laughs> uh Oh, uh, all right. We got a Stan Musial puzzle piece numbers 23, uh, 22, 23 and 24. So if you need that. Let me know. All right, let's, uh, let's before we get into this, let us just go through the rules real quick in case you're new to this. Uh, we do have some new rules here for the new season as well. Uh, as always, if you are wearing real stirrups, you're going to get an extra cent. If you are wearing two in one stirrups, we're going to minus a cent. That's not cool. If you are sporting a mustache, we're going to give you an extra cent. And we do have the option of giving you uh, two cents if it is a true Tom Selleck-esque uh, mustache. If it's really a beautiful lip brush, we'll give you an extra cent. Uh, if you are wearing glasses of any sort, we're really looking for those science teacher glasses, but glasses of any sort, we're going to give you an extra cent as well. If you are wearing uh, high top baseball shoes, we are going to minus a cent if we can see stirrups. That's just not a good look. Uh, high tops and stirrups don't go together, even if they're real. Yeah, that's, that's ugly. Yeah, so don't yeah. don't don't do that. And uh, of course, if you are a Hall of Famer, we're going to give you an extra five cents because that's good job. Very proud of you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, uh, are you ready to go here, Mark? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, this is a, a very strong start for you because you're starting out with a Hall of Famer. Well, that's a good start. Yeah. So your first card, he's a Yankee, which is probably where he's best known. Uh, he is a Hall of Famer, 
as I mentioned, and he's got a mustache because he always had a mustache. It is Dave Winfield. Oh, the ultimate athlete, Dave Winfield. Yes, very nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Drafted by the NBA. Uh, Not a hockey player like Tom Glavin also was. Right. Yeah, if if somebody could have made the Harlem Globetrotters, you know, from other sports at this point, Dave Winfield would have definitely been there. Uh, yes. This card is worth five cents right out the bat from Beckett. That's nice. Uh, nice. Hall of Famer, so that's an extra five cents. And he's got a mustache, so that's 11 cents right out of the gate for you. Not bad for Winnie. It's like, that's like Ricky starting the game off with a home run, my friend. Yeah, very nice. Uh, Dave Winfield, I thought he was on more. He, he only won world, one World Series, and that was in 92 with the Blue Jays. Um, yeah, he, he only went to the playoffs twice. The, oh, wow. the, the Yankees in 81, and then that, that Blue Jays team in 92. Those are the only two years he went to the uh, playoffs, which is odd. Huh. I really thought yeah. he, he went more than that, but great player. Uh, all right, strong start. Next, the zinger. Here he is with the uh, with the Red Sox, Todd Benzinger. Todd Benzinger, solid ball player for a while. I remember him. I mean, he was on those those uh, Reds teams. The, the, well, specifically, I think he was on the the '90s Reds team that beat the A's. Yeah, I I believe so. Yes. Yeah, so he was on the '90 uh, '90s uh, Reds team. I we've mentioned this before. We've never heard of his nickname is Mercedes. Okay, oh, Mercedes-Benz yes. Zinger. Okay, it hit me. Got it. I get it. Okay. Uh, all right, so this is his rookie card. Uh, you're not going to get points for anything else other than Beckett on this one. Uh, and that rookie card is worth $0.08. Cents. So, you know, we made fun of this pack, but you've gotten two good cards uh, to for $0.19 cents right, out the, right out the gate. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not complaining. Next, we've got another rookie card. It is a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. It is Jeff Robinson. Jeff Robinson. Ah, uh, yeah, we've gotten him. We've pulled this card a few times. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, no value. Now I mean, he was he was he had his own value as a person. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> now I, I'm looking at this, and we've had this happen before. If I'm looking at the card numbers of the three cards that we have pulled so far, Dave Winfield is number two ninety eight. Uh, Mercedes is number two ninety seven, and Jeff Robinson is number two ninety six. So. <laughs> Wow, that's not the best randomization. Well, uh, if I had to guess, I would say <laughs> that your next card is going to be Robin Yount, which is good news for you because he's a Hall of Famer and he's always got a mustache. Yeah. And he's card yeah. uh, number 295. And uh, right, let's see. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's Robin Yount. <laughs> so, <laughs> or as I call him, Robin Yunt. Robin Yunt. Yunt. Uh, so this card is worth eight cents just for being Robin Yount. He's a Hall of Famer and he's got a mustache. That's a fourteen cent card for you right there. That and he's also one of my favorite players, and which even more so now. Yeah, now so that's thirty three cents. Brother, of course, of Larry Yount, <laughs> who appeared in a major league game but didn't face a batter. Um, that's right. Now this is just. Uh, I mean, if you're looking at Beckett, you know what's next. It's Tom Needenfewer. Uh, yes, the man with the nickname Home Run. Problem is, he's a pitcher. <laughs> I've not heard. That is his nickname? Tom Home Run Needenfuhr. Uh Let's see. Let's see what... Uh, I, I have no reason to doubt you. Uh, nicknames, according to Baseball Reference, is Buff or Buffalo Head. 
<laughs> pretty much the same thing. Pretty much. Uh, never led the league in home runs. Only gave up double-digit figures in home runs three times of his 10-year career. Uh, yeah. Well, he gave up those big ones, you know? Yeah, they must be. But uh, no value in Beckett. But he has got a nice mustache. So you're going to get one cent. That'll bring you up to 34. But uh, hopefully that hey. is the end of these. Uh, the run. Uh, nope. No, it's it's not. Uh, I will tell you that you've got a pretty good uh, run here looking at, at Beckett. Uh, next, though, you've got a Diamond King card. It is your least probably going to be your least valuable card at this point. Uh, it is the one of the few Diamond Kings that is not worth anything, according to Beckett. It is Yvonne Calderon. Yvonne bubbling Calderon. Yeah, hey, he's a good hitter. Uh, he was pretty decent. Son also made the majors. Uh, he, he's got stirrups on in this drawing. We always give you that. He's also got a mustache. So you're going to get two cents out of that at least. Uh, next, you've got a checklist, which uh, is not worth anything. Next, I boy, you know, along with Ricky Henderson, this guy is starting to make an appearance on every single episode. It is Vincent Van Gogh. Vince Coleman. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's making a, another resurgence in, in stolen bases. Yes. <laughs> so Beckett's got him listed at three cents. He's got real stirrups and he has got, uh, he's got a mustache. So that is a five cent card. I, I'm, I'm almost tempted to give him two cents on the stirrups because he's got them pulled up so high. They're just like string, you know, little strings. <laughs> uh, he's bunting in this picture too, which is cool. And he's not wearing any batting gloves. It's really a, a good old school looking card. Oh. Yeah, and, and, and wow, another lost art, bunting. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, uh, the, the Dodgers uh, during game four fans will tell you that uh, Jock Peterson, not so much a good bunter. Uh, definitely. <laughs> yes. But just looking at the back of Vincent Maurice Coleman's card here, it's got three seasons listed here uh, that he's played. Steals, 110, 107, 109 for his first three years in the majors. That's pretty impressive. Yes. I told you this was a good run because you've got another Hall of Famer here. Wow. Yeah. We go to the reliever. Or no, yeah, Hall of Fame. When when did uh when did he go in? He went in in the year of 2019, just last year. Or this yeah, last oh. year. Uh, Lee, Lee Arthur Smith. Oh yeah. Got a lovely Smith. Reliever for classic legendary closer. Yep. Uh, let's see here. I, I should have your whole pack memorized here just by looking at this. Uh, Lee Arthur is worth three cents. He's a Hall of Famer, so that's eight cents, and he's got a mustache. So that's a nine-cent oh. card. I should have stolen this pack. Uh, that'll take you up to 50 cents <laughs> even right there. Not uh, not bad. Lee Arthur Smith, he of the 478 saves. Uh, wow. Are we still uh, in numerical order here? Yes. Okay, so what someone did was break up yep. a set. Yep, they, they, they opened <laughs> these, they put them in numerical order, and then they just packaged them up 15 at a time. <laughs> nice. I don't know why they wouldn't have removed, you know, like a Lee Smith or, you know, these Hall of Famers, like a Dave Winfield. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're bucking for a record for Hall of Famers. You've got three already. But uh, all right. next, you're going to get uh, a guy that uh, can now be seen on Extends commercials with uh, I think it's Extends with uh, Frank Thomas and and uh, uh, sure, Doug Flutie, uh, Andy Van Slyke. 
Andy Van Slick. Yeah, Andy Van Slick, uh, really a fantastic hitter. He had a hit for average and some power and a lefty, yeah, pretty strong, good defensively. Andy Van Slick was a fantastic baseball player. He was. He was on those Pirates teams with Bonilla and Bonds and yep. Spanky Lavalier and Chico Leaned and Jeff King. And Sid Bream yep. and Doug. Dr- How can I name the entirety of the uh, the uh, Bucks roster from the early nineties? Uh, three cents in Beckett's. That's all you're going to get there for Andy Vance. Like next, we go to outfielder for the uh, Atlanta squad. It is Albert Hall. Yeah, I remember Albert Hall. He was uh, he's like a fourth or fifth outfielder for them back then. I think. Yeah, he's got a, a wispy mustache. That's the only value you're, you're going to get. That'll bring you up to eighty uh, fifty four cents. I'm sorry. Next, the guy we've talked about. Oh, and, and there's another new rule I forgot. If you're wearing a, a sweatband with your uh, caricature or your jersey number on it, you get an extra cent as well. And I and I mentioned that because uh, one I forgot to, but also you pulled a Cal Daniels card, and Cal Daniels always has oh. one of those Mims bands on. Actually, two of those yeah, Mims bet. bands on. So extra points there. Uh, Cal Daniels worth two cents in Beckett's, and then you'll get an extra cent for the Mims band. So that'll be a three cent card and bring you up to 57 cents. Cal Daniels, we mentioned, always had some good pop. Kind of a, one of those underrated players, but uh, he was a good guy. Very underrated, a talented, talented hitter. Um, pretty flashy, too. Yeah. Uh, speaking of flashy, this is a guy. Middle infielder, second baseman for the Phillies. He wore his jersey real well. Had a great Jerry Curl. It is Juan Samuel. Uh, Juan Samuel. You knew who I was going with when I said Jerry Curl. I totally knew, yeah. Yeah. So no value there from Beckett's, uh, but he does have a mustache. He's got a Ricky Henderson mustache. Like, that is, if you took this off and put it on Ricky Henderson, you wouldn't know the difference, that it was not Ricky's own grown mustache. Uh, So that'll bring you up to 58 cents. You've got two cards left. One of my favorite Padres of all time. He also had a little bit of a Jerry Curl going on here. He's got a mustache. It is Carmelo Martinez. Oh, sure. Yeah, another good, good solid player underrated. Carmelo played for quite a while. Let's see, uh, 83 through 91. So I guess not that long, but I mean, he had a nine-year career. That's not bad. 108 career mm-hmm. home runs, five years of double-digit home runs. Not bad. I was I always liked him. I don't know why he was one of my guys, but uh, that'll get yeah. you one cent for the mustache. So you're at 59 cents with one card to go. And your final card, oh, this is good for you. This is good for you. It's, it's, it's only going to get you probably two cents, but it is an outfielder for the Astros, and it's one of your favorite Astros. Is it Kevin Largemouth Bass? It is absolutely Kevin Largemouth Bass. I love Kevin Bass. No value in Beckett, but you are going to get two cents because he's got a good mustache. But he's got a oh, he's got a Mims bands as well. He's got his caricatures on oh, his right. sweatbands. All right, that's just cool. That's no, not a bad no. pack for you, my friend. That you got three Hall of Famers, and uh, you ended up with sixty one cents with you know for a for an eighty eight Don Russ. That's a pretty good haul. Yeah, I, I I'm not unhappy with that. No, this uh, this is a team that uh, you could put together a pretty good team. Not a lot of pitching. The back end of the bullpen, you got you got locked down, but that is a, a a sixty-one cent pack. Let's see what I can come up with. Again, last week I had two dollars and sixty-two cents. Let's open up this. Let's first of all, well, let's see what our puzzle piece is here. 
Stan the Man. Uh, it goes directly underneath the, the the three that you had. It is pieces 40, 41, and 42, if you're interested. Uh, I'm just going to take a quick gander here. And, uh, well, they're not, well, they didn't sort them well, uh, but they are in order. There's just a couple, like I got 264, 266, and then 265. They were trying to mix it up to try and fool people. But yeah, yeah. no one would ever guess that. No, right in order. Let's hope that I can get as good of of a pack as you did. Let's see what we got here. So I'm starting out with a Diamond Kings. It's a Diamond King of somebody that was in your pack, their normal card. Uh, He can be seen on uh, Extends commercials with Frank Thomas (laughs) and Doug Flutie. It is the Diamond King version of Andy Van Slyke. Nice. So we won't go over the... uh, we won't go over the superlatives again, but uh, he's going to get one cent and one cent only for the uh, the drawn on stirrups that are on his card. But not a good start. For yes. Me. Uh, not getting much better here. Uh, I've got outfielder DH for the Minnesota Twins. It is Randy Bush. Randy bird in the hand Bush. <laughs> yeah, uh, nothing going on there. No value from Beckett. No mustache, no mm-hmm. Mims bands, can't see his stirrups. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Next, uh, this is really not starting off strong here. First baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays, it is Willie Clay Upshaw. Willie Upshaw, wow. I don't know if he's come up before. I believe he has. Uh, I'm pretty sure I remember talking about Willie Upshaw. He played for 10 years, most of it with Toronto. Had some pretty good pop. 82 and 83, yeah. 21 and 27 home runs. Not bad. Wow, I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, mainly a first baseman and a DH. Uh, you know, he had a pretty good career. But uh, let's see. Uh, he's got a mustache, so that'll get me at least one cent. Uh, nothing in Beckett, though. So just chugging along with uh, with singles here. I'm at two cents. Next, I didn't know this guy pitched for the Mariners, and he does not look happy. Pitching for the Mariners here. He has got a mustache and he is, I mean, it's, do you remember in Friends when Joey describes how he learns to, to act in soap operas? I, I know nothing about Friends. You don't? Well, he, he described that it was passed along to him that, uh, you should always make a face like you're, you just smelled somebody past some gas called smell the fart (laughs) acting. And this card of Lee Guterman looks like he really smelled somebody that had some <laughs> something bad for lunch here. He's in the middle of his, his like motion, but he is like just not a good look. But it's Lee Guterman. I, did, I guess yeah, I never yeah, told you it was Lee Guterman. No, <laughs> it's, it's good to know. Uh, strangely enough, his name is Arthur Lee Guterman as opposed to Lee Arthur Smith. Oh, wow. I guess it's not that strange, but uh that's just Arthur Lee Rhodes. Yeah, that's uh, just going to get me one, one one cent. All right, I got a Hall of Famer, which is good. Oh, this is and this guy just won a, a big humanitarian award. I forget what it's called for baseball, but he won the humanitarian award this year in in handed out by uh, by Major League Baseball Player Association. The Hawk, Andre Dawson. Oh yeah. Oh man, another great autograph. Uh, Andre Andre Dawson was just a flat out solid, good hitting, good defensive player, one of the best. 
Yeah. He had, boy, he had a good arm, bad yeah. knees, but that's what happens when you yeah. play in, in Montreal for a good portion of your career. So looking at this card, he's got a mustache. He is a Hall of Famer. We know this. This is coming off his MVP year of 87, which was the first year in Chicago, you know, where he was being colluded against by the owners and, and basically gave them a blank contract and said, pay me what you think I'm worth. I just want to play. Uh, yeah. This card is worth five cents. He's a Hall of Famer and he's got a mustache. That's an 11 cent card for me. Should, yeah, that's be, what you needed. should be worth more, but I'll, I'll take the 11 cents. That brings me up to 14 cents. Next, this is a gentleman whose name is very similar to somebody that hit a shot heard around the world for the uh, New York Giants. But this is and, for the, but this is the San Francisco this Giants. Is the right? San Francisco Giants version. It is Robbie yeah. Thompson. Yes, not Bobby Thompson. Another, you know, another good solid baseball player. He was there at second base. How? Let's just take a look. I, oh, I yeah. think he played. Uh, I think he played second base for the Giants for a long time. Uh, let's see. He was in the league for eleven years. He played for the Giants for eleven years. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he was out with injury in 94, and then he never, his last two years he didn't play. He was about a, a part-time player. I think that he never really came back from that injury. But yeah, he was a good, uh, yeah. he won one gold glove in 93. But uh, yeah, Robbie yeah. Robbie Thompson, uh, good player, wearing real stirrups here. He too is bunting like Vince Coleman in your card, but I don't think that card's going to be worth anything else. It isn't. So that's just uh, it's a one center for me. Brings me up to 15 cents. Next, a outfielder for the Pirates. I, I was saying I could name, I could apparently name most of the roster of the Pirates in the early 90s. This is an 88 card. I don't remember this guy. Outfielder Mike Diaz. Mike Diaz. Yeah, it does not ring a bell. No, not for me either. No value in Beckett and uh, no uh, extemporaneous value from the card. Poor Mike Diaz. He's been completely forgotten. Yeah. As is this next guy for me, which is rare. I mean, this 88, this is right in my wheelhouse of just knowing every player. Uh, pitcher sure. for the Atlanta team, it is David Palmer. Wow, I don't remember David Palmer. Yeah, I mean, he'd, he'd been on the Expos for a couple of years. This was his third season with the Braves. But uh, I, I really ranked second in the Raves and strikeouts the year before. Really? Yeah. How do we not know this guy? I don't know. Well, I mean, you got to remember those teams were awful. The 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 mid eighties oh, yeah, Braves were just awful. No value from the yeah. card there in Beckett, but he has got his real stirrups on there, so I'll at least get one cent. All right, next we've had this guy before, kind of mainly a shortstop. Remember him here with the Reds, where he's pictured, but also he's on the Royals for a bit of a, uh, amount of time. It's Kurt Stillwell. Oh man, yeah, I actually remember Stillwell more as a Royal. Yeah, I think that's what we both said last time as well. <laughs> but I'm going to get nothing from this. No value from Beckett. Nothing going on in the card that's going to earn me extra points. Next, we have got a guy that was featured in the Wax Pack book. It is a guy that has had some tough times off the diamond. It is Randy Reddy here with the San Diego Padres. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, Randy Reddy, um, how many teams did he play for? Uh, quite a few. Let's look. I know he played in Japan yeah. as well. 
Randy Reddy in the majors uh, had a 13 year career actually didn't play for that many teams. He spent five years in Philly, four with the dads, four with Milwaukee, one in Montreal and one with my Oakland athletics. So he played a little bit, he got around a little bit. Yeah. And then uh, he played, uh, he played in Japan for one year, only 30, 30 games for the Chiba Lotte. I think they're the Marines. Isn't that Chiba Lotte? Don't remember off the top of my head. I'm sure we'll hear about it. But uh, yeah. no value from Beckett. And uh, oh, he does have a, that is a, that's like a seven o'clock shadow. But uh, we're very <laughs> liberal with with handing this out. So I'm going to give myself one cent. <laughs> All right. I got another Hall of Famer. My, my second Hall of Famer, the Wizard of Oz. Ozzy Smith. Oh, man. Legend. I can't say enough about him. Yeah, so Ozzy usually wore those Mims bands, but I think he only wore one. And I think it was on his glove arm. And uh, I can't see, well, no, no, I can't see his glove arm. I can't see any Mims bands here, which is very disappointing. Uh, But he's a Hall of Famer. He's got a mustache, of course. And uh, his card is worth five cents in, or was it eight cents? I forget. Oh, I'm just joking all around. It's seven cents. He's a Hall of Famer and a mustache. So that's a 13 cent car. That'll bring me up to 30 cents. I'm wondering, should we maybe in the next season, one of the rules be if you're wearing a batting helmet with no ear flaps, you get an extra cent. Maybe that's something uh, we can run by the committee, the rules committee. Yeah. So he's wearing one of those. Your uh, your card with Dave Winfield also was uh, no flaps. But Hmm. uh, yeah. Osborne Earl Smith, Hall of Famer. All right, next outfielder for the Phillies, Glenn Wilson. I do not remember Glenn a whole lot. This is a very '80s card, though. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that uh, just by looking at it. Uh, no value uh, as expected in Beckett, but he has got, uh, he's got a nice mullet going on. He has definitely got a mustache, and he's got the science teacher sunglasses. Or not nice. sunglasses, just glasses. So I'm going to get two cents at least out of that. So yeah, bring that we don't we don't do anything for mullets. How are we not doing stuff for mullets? These well, it's kind of hard because you got a hat or a helmet on, so you can't always tell if the, it is actually business in front. Yeah, yeah. I never had a mullet. How about you? Never had okay. long hair at all. Me neither. <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, and if you're looking these up in Beckett, you can follow right along because these are all in numerical order. <laughs> Next, we have got outfielder here for the Astros. Also had a good career with the Reds. It is Billy Hatcher. Billy Egg Hatcher, absolutely good ball player. Had some clutch moments in the playoffs and stuff. He only won one World Series. That was with the Reds in 1990. But good news for me here, because Billy Hatcher is a sporting a, a nice mustache. Also got on Mims bands. Got his. He's got his caricatures Ooh. right there. So. That's two cents. That'll bring me up to 34 cents with three cards left. Oh, man. Now, normally I'd put this card for the end, but since these are all in numerical order, everybody would know if I did that. Uh, I've got a Hall of Famer. (laughs) We've uh, mentioned him earlier in the show for an iconic home run that he hit after Bernie Carbo hit his for the Boston (laughs) Red Sox. Here he is, though, for the Chicago White Sox. He only played for Sox teams. It is Carlton Fisk. Yes, Known curmudgeon. Yes, very much so. <laughs> also a member of that Wax Pack book pack. Uh, Carlton oh, yeah. Fisk is worth eight cents in Beckett's. He is a Hall of Famer. 
So I'm going to get five cents. So that'll be a 13 cent card and bring me up to 47 cents. Now we know he would be wearing real stirrups, but I can't see it. So we can't do it. Well, nope. And if we were doing that rule with no flaps, he always wore a, you know, an old school batting helmet with no ear flaps turned around. So I would have got an extra cent for that. Never would he wear a, a sweatband with this caricature on it, though. I will tell you that. No, I doubt that. And he'd probably punch you in the face if you you suggested he do so. Uh, okay, here we go. Another catcher. Again, I know he'd be wearing stirrups, but we can't tell. It is a catcher here for the Rangers. It is Mike Stanley. Mike Stanley. Uh, yeah, another solid, good catcher. I could hit a little bit. Yeah, no value, though, for me anywhere. Mike Stanley. That's unhelpful. I'm uh, I'm down to my last card. I'm at 47 cents and you're at 61 cents. So I need a big hit here and I'm, I don't think I'm going to get it from Brian Downing. Brian 10 Downing Street. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Brian Downing, man, that guy could hit. Had a good eye too. Well, uh, that's not going to help me much. Uh, no value from Beckett and uh, nothing... Nothing card-wise from looking at it that's going to get me any more money. I'm, I'm stuck at 47 cents, and you have uh, come out the victor this time. I should have uh, should have swapped those cards. Yeah, I, I, I had no idea what was even going on with that. So I just randomly picked one that I thought you'd pick uh, take it from me, but uh, it ended up working in my favor for once. <laughs> All right, so you have uh, jumped up. You are now leading four to three. And uh, we will uh, we will press onward and continue this this battle next week with another episode of Wax Packs Heroes. So let's start to wrap it up. We want to, first of all, thank all of our listeners. As always, we really do appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you rating and reviewing if you so desire, if you actually enjoyed the show or if you haven't left a review. We appreciate it. It just helps. Also, tell your friends, family, coworkers, stop people on the street. It's a good way to start conversations. Says, hey, do you know what two strike noise is? No, you don't. Yeah, absolutely. And make sure you're wearing a mask, though. Yeah. Make sure you wear a mask <laughs> and uh, let let people know about it. We can also be found on the internet. We are both on Twitter and Instagram at two strike noise. That is at T W O strike noise. Mark, tell them how they can uh, get a hold of us uh, electronically elsewhere. We do have an electronic mailbox. It's kind of this newfangled thing that people do. Uh, you can always write to us at two strike noise. Again, spell it out T W O strike noise at gmail.com. We will uh, look forward to all of our correspondence there. And uh, Mark, we are getting perilously close to 100 episodes. It'll be our 90th next week. So I'm going to assume you'll be here. We will figure out something that we're going to talk about that will have to do with baseball history and hopefully be entertaining. But uh, until then, we will say have a good week and we will see you on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. (laughs) 